With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Invite you. Welcome to the Indigo Room, and I um, am your hostess, (laughs) Sydney Chase, and this is where we discuss all things spiritual, and uh, the Indigo Room, that's, you know, this is the place. Today is Saturday, February, I mean, February, I'm all discombobulated today, April 23rd. 2016, and this is where we discuss all things spiritual, and by that I mean that we are non-physical spiritual beings having physical, human experiences. Life is supposed to be good. It's supposed to be wonderful and fabulous and delicious, and even when it gets kind of crazy, as it often does, we have tools, and uh, this is what we talk about here at the Indigo Room. We are... Gathered here today, um, as we often do on Saturdays at 12 o'clock, and we are going to be reading um, Neville's book, Resurrection, and uh, we are continuing to read chapter 21, we're on page 114, but we're going to go back a little bit and backtrack to page 113 and read from there, because um, we stopped, that's where we stopped last week on page 114, um, thinking fourth dimensionally. And uh, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. And if you're listening to the downloads, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate you uh, listening to us all of these years. And we had some sad news. This week, Um, Prince, one of my favorite, favorite, many of us, many of us, one of our favorite artists, um, made his transition, and uh, his music will be greatly missed, and I'm just, I just, I can't even, I have no words to express that, 
But I do know that um, when you make your transition, it's an it's an easy it's an easy go of it. You're not when you're leaving, you're already gone. And um, we just I know he's probably going to do a concert up there with Michael, <laughs> out there, or in there, or wherever wherever you where. Hopefully they'll meet up together, you know, and create some fourth dimensional music. That would be awesome. And um, Anyway, we say uh, Godspeed, and thank you for all of the years of your wonderful, fabulous music. And we were talking about this. Uh, Linda is here, and Deborah is here, and and Mavis, and Linda and I were chatting about, uh, you know, about Prince being a Jehovah's Witness. He was a Jehovah's Witness just like me back in the day. But he, you know, still considered himself to be one, even with all craziness that he did, um, according to the Jehovah's Witness people, you know, I'm surprised he still claimed that. But anyway, um, we just want to say thank you for all your music and, oh my God, all of it. It's just, it's just too much. So we lost a lot of um, artists and and people um, this year, 2016, a lot of, a lot of really great artists and actors and writers and people who gave themselves to the planet um, made their transition. And, you know, thinking about that, saying that, and all of the music that, that Prince has done and all of the things that he did, you have to think about yourself, right? What are you leaving for for people to, what are you creating you know, for people to embrace. It doesn't have to be as big as Prince, but, you know, are you just just focused on yourself all the time? Are you giving yourself? Are you really living your dream? Are you really, you know, putting yourself out there and doing the thing that you want to do? If you want to be crazy, be crazy. You know, you want to dress outlandishly, do that. You know, be who you are, just, that's one of the things I guess Prince left us with, you know, to just be who you are, and people will love you regardless, who cares if you're an eyeball, we love eyeballs, I'm an eyeball, so, you know, just think about what you, if you give up on yourself, you give up on your dreams, you give up on your um, desires, well, you missed the mark, you came here to do something enormous or wonderful or fabulous. It could be with your family. It could be with your 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 work coworkers. It doesn't have to be, you know, this where you're just, you know, everybody on the planet knows you, but what legacy are you leaving for others to remember you? You know, what are you giving? Are you a taker and that's all you do? And Prince was a big philanthropist as well and an activist. So what are you what are you giving? You can't be a good receiver if you're not a good giver either. You know, works both ways. So I do want to say also thank you, Deborah, for the donation to the Indigo Room this week. That was awesome. And I also want to thank uh Wanda Lynn for her donation as well. We appreciate that. And like I said, it's going into the Indigo Room Fund and helping us create the website and 
Um, we're out here doing our little hustle, <laughs> working on it. <laughs> but um, I do want to say thank you and uh, say hello to Francisco Yaron. Happy Passover. He said he's celebrating Passover the Indigo Room way, I guess the Neville way. Um, but he's celebrating Passover in Israel, so happy Passover to you. Gloria, hello, and um, also want to say hi to Debbie and Cindy and Ray Harvey and um, Gary. I don't know where he's at, but hi, Gary. And um, I think um, Painter, who listens, um, who jumps, jumps in and joins the broadcast as well. So Mavis is here with us. Oh, Yaren did pop in. Hi, Yaren. And we're going to be reading today um, The Resurrection. And if you would like to make a, a love donation to the Indigo Room, you can do that. You can send it to the Indigo Room number one at AOL.com using PayPal. Um, if you'd like to send an email to us, you could do it at the Indigo Room two, number two, at gmail.com. We also, um, if you want to call in, you can do so at 724-444-7444. Enter the TalkCast ID number, and which is 33443, and you will be connected to the call. All right? So I think I got all that information out. Linda is back in the hizzy <laughs> today with us, and she's going to be joining us to read, and uh, Deborah as well, and Mavis is here. So we're going to start the read. We're on page 113. I'm going to go backtrack a little bit and read that last paragraph that we did read last week, but um, I just want to get the flow going, um, and shalom, Yaron, shalom. It is important always to remember, we're on page 113, and we're reading Thinking Fourth Dimensionally. It is always important to remember that the proposed action must be one which follows the fulfillment of your desire, and also you must feel yourself into the action until it has all the vividness and distinctness of reality. For example, suppose you desire a promotion in office. Being congratulated would be an event you would encounter for following the fulfillment of your desire. Having selected this action as the one you will experience in imagination and mobilize the physical body and induce a state akin to sleep, a drowsy state, but one in which you are still able to control the direction of your thoughts, a state in which you are attentive without effort. Does that make sense to any of you? I mean, you know, because I get into a drowsy state all the time on that boat, that ferry that I ride every morning going to work, and on the subway. And I can, like, put myself in a place that is totally different than what I'm riding. So it's a drowsy state. I'm still awake. I'm still conscious. But in my imagination, I'm so not on the Subway. And then when I open my eyes sometimes, I get shocked. <laughs> but that's the drowsy state. You're still, you're still kind of in that sleepy kind of, but you're not really asleep, but you could. It's right before you fall into the deep sleep. It's right there. Put your imaginary hand into his. First, feel it to be solid. Oops, sorry. Um... 
I skipped a paragraph, a question. Now imagine that a friend is standing before you. Put your imaginary hand into his. First, feel it to be solid and real, then carry on an imaginary conversation with him in harmony with the action. Do not visualize yourself at a distance in point of space and at a distance in point of time being congratulated on your good fortune. Instead, make elsewhere here and the future now. The future event is a reality now in a dimensionally larger world. And oddly enough, now in a dimensionally larger world is equivalent to here in the ordinary three-dimensional space of everyday life. The difference between feeling yourself in action here and now and visualizing yourself in action as though you were on a motion picture screen is the difference between success and failure. I know that's probably why a lot of things don't didn't um, pop off for me the way I wanted them to. Because for a long time, before I read Neville, you know, I was visualizing myself, not really imagining myself, because I didn't I didn't know about Neville back then. But I was it worked on some some levels. It was kind of you know sort of working but not the way I really wanted it to, but I would visualize myself and I would see myself from a distance, like I was looking at a TV screen. That's not the same as imagining yourself in in giving it the feels and the tones and the vividness of reality. It is completely different because when remember last week when we were talking about climbing up the ladder, if you were visualizing yourself at a distance climbing the ladder, it's a totally different feeling than actually feeling the ladder in your hand and feeling the steps and moving up and feeling your body move up. And when you are imagining, you would, you would actually see the ladder right in front of you. You wouldn't see yourself climbing the ladder. You would see the ladder in, real, in, in reality in the, thir- in the third dimension. That's how you would experience climbing the ladder. So you have to, in your imagination, do it the same way. And that makes all the difference in the universe. The difference will be appreciated if you will now visualize yourself climbing a ladder. Then with eyelids closed, imagine that a ladder is right in front of you and feel you are actually climbing it. Desire physical immobility bordering on sleep, an imaginary action in which self-feelingly predominates here and now are not only important factors in altering the future, but they are essential conditions in consciously projecting the spiritual self. If when the physical body is immobilized, we become possessed of the idea to do something and imagine that we are doing it here and now, and keep the imaginary action feelingly going right up until sleep ensues. We are likely to awaken out of the physical body to find ourselves in a dimensionally larger world with a dimensionally larger focus and actually doing what we desired and imagined we were doing in the flesh. But whether we awaken there or not, We are not actually performing the action in the fourth dimensional world 
and we will reenact it. I mean, we are actually performing the action in the fourth dimensional world, and we will reenact it in the future here in the third dimensional world. Experience has taught me to restrict the imaginary action to condense the idea, which is to be the object of our meditation into a single act, and to reenact it over and over again until it has the feeling of reality. Otherwise, the attention will wander off along an associate, associate, uh, <laughs> associate, I don't even know if that's a word, track. And hosts of associated images will be presented to our attention. In a few seconds, they will lead us hundreds of miles away from our objective in a point of space and years away in point of time. If you decide to climb a particular flight of stairs because that is the likely event to follow the realization of our desire, then we must restrict the action to climbing that particular flight of stairs. Should you, should our attention wander off, we must bring it back to its task of climbing that flight of stairs and keep on doing so until the imaginary action has all the solidity and distinctness of reality. The idea must be maintained in the field of presentation without any sensible effort on our part. We must, with the minimum of effort, permeate the mind with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Drowsiness facilitates change because it favors attention without effort, but it must not be pushed to the stage of sleep in which we shall no longer be able to control the movements of our attention, but rather a moderate degree of drowsiness in which we are still able to direct our thoughts. A most effective way to embody a desire is to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled and then in a relaxed and sleepy state, repeat over and over again like a lullaby. Any short phrase which implies fulfillment of our desires, such as thank you, as though we addressed a higher power for having done it for us. If, however, we seek a conscious projection into a dimensionally larger world, then we must keep the action going right up until sleep ensues. Does that make sense to everybody? I know it makes sense to me. And welcome, guest five, guest six. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Um, and I know we some of us have done it, and it has worked. And you you just are shocked by your you just you just shock yourself. You go, what? I did that? Yes, you did. And I know I've done it many many times. I'm doing it right now as I drift off to sleep. I do it on the subway, on the ferry. Because, you know, I put my sunglasses on. I look like Hollywood. I put my sunglasses on, and I just go in. Nobody nobody needs to know. You can close your eyes and do it anywhere. And you're waiting at the doctor's office, right? You know, those long waits. Sometimes you just have to find the opportunities that present themselves, right? You can do it any place. Try not to do it while you're driving your car, though. (laughs) 
experience in imagination with all the distinctiveness of reality, what would be experienced in the flesh were you to achieve your goal? And you shall, in time, meet it in the flesh as you met it in your imagination. Feed the mind with premises, that is, assertions presumed to be true, because assumptions, though unreal to the senses, if persisted in until they have the feeling of reality, will harden into facts. So it feels like kind of jelly, doesn't feel real because it's not a fact for you, but that's okay. Keep doing it. It will harden just like jello if you leave it out long enough. <laughs> to an assumption, all means. <clears throat> To an assumption, all means which promote its realization are good. It influences the behavior of all by inspiring in all the movements, the the actions, and the words which tend towards its fulfillment. To understand how man molds his future in harmony with his assumption, we must know what we mean by a dimensionally larger world, for it is to a dimensionally larger world that we go to alter our future. The observation of an event before it occurs implies that the event is predetermined from the point of view of man in the three-dimensional world. Therefore, to change the conditions here in the three dimensions of space, we must first change them in the four dimensions of space. And again, That is changing the concept of self, which we've talked about on numerous occasions here in the Indigo Room and reading this book, Resurrection. You really do need to change the concept of self. If you believe that you're not good enough, that has to change. You can't can't still state, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I don't have, I can't, I think, I bet. You can't. You you can't keep that concept of self and then jump into something that um, doesn't match it. You understand? You attract what you are. You become what you, 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 you experience who you are. That becomes your experience. You have to change your concept of self. I often walk around with, in my thought process, the the four things that Neville said before in one of the readings that we did. I am I am um I am healthy, I am rich, I am free. I am rich, I am wealthy, I am healthy, I am free. I'll just like run that. I keep running it. I flood my mind with it. All day sometimes. You know, in between my breaks when I'm not talking to people on the phone at work. I'm walking around, and that's what's going through my mind. So you have to flood your mind. You have to flood your thought processes with different concepts of yourself. That's why the I am statements work so wonderfully. Man does not know exactly what is meant by a dimensional larger world and should no doubt deny the existence of a dimensionally larger self. He is quite familiar with the three dimensions of length, width, and height, and he feels that if it were a fourth dimension, it should just be just as obvious to him as the dimensions of length, width, and height. A dimension is not a line. It is an, it is 
any way in which a thing can be measured that is entirely different from all other ways. That is, to measure a solid fourth dimensionally, we simply measure it in any direction except that of length, height, and width. Is there another way of measuring an object other than those of its length, width, and height? Time measures my life without employing the three dimensions of length, width, and height. There are no such thing as, a, as an instantaneous object. Its appearance and disappearance are measurable. It endures for a definite length of time. We can measure its lifespan without using the dimensions of length, width, and height. Time is, dimension, is definitely a fourth way of measuring an object. Linda, do you want to pop in and read a little bit? We miss your voice. Let me unmute you. Yes. Hi. Uh, hi, how does my voice sound? I had to go to my speakerphone. You sound good. Okay, great. Are we ready? Yes. The more dimensions an object has, the more substantial and real it becomes. A straight line, which lies entirely in one dimension, acquires shape, mass, and substance by the addition of dimensions. What new quality would time the fourth dimension give, which would make it just as vastly superior to solids as solids are to surfaces and surfaces are to lines? Time is a medium for changes in experience because all changes take time. The new quality is changeability. Observe that if we bisect a solid, its cross-section will be a surface. By bisecting a surface, we obtain a line. And by bisecting a line, we get a point. This means that a point is but a cross-section of a line which is, in turn, but a cross-section of a surface, which is, in turn, but a cross-section of a solid, which, in turn, if carried to its logical conclusion, but a cross-section of a fourth-dimensional object. We cannot avoid the interference that all three-dimensional objects, sorry, we cannot avoid the inference that all three-dimensional objects are but cross-sections of four-dimensional bodies. Which means, when I meet you, I meet a cross-section of the fourth-dimensional you, the fourth-dimensional self, that is not seen. To see the fourth-dimensional self, I must see every cross-section or moment of your life from birth to death and see them all as coexisting. My focus should take in the entire array of sensory impressions which you have experienced on Earth, plus those you might encounter, I should see them, plus those you might encounter. I should see them not in the order in which they were experienced by you, but as a present whole. Because change is the characteristic of the fourth dimension, I should see them in a state of flux 
as a living animated soul. Hold it. Could you imagine all of us walking up to each other and seeing our fourth dimensional self? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking maybe we would treat each other a little less crazy because you would see the whole, right? You would see from at that point who the person really is, you know, and what, because we make so many judgments about people, right, based on what they might be doing at this moment. We have no idea what their vibration might have been, what they've gone through, who they are, where they're rolling off to, what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you are in tune and you can feel people, you also get the ability to be, especially empaths who can feel you and feel your words and feel you, um, they have a sometimes a different view of a person than necessarily you do who's looking at, at them from a three-dimensional space. Wouldn't that be kind of interesting? It might drive us all nuts. Maybe there's a reason why we don't see everything. <laughs> so it may not be a good idea. But <clears throat> if you could, you would see, you would really see the God self in a person and not just what they're showing you in this moment. Okay, go ahead. If we have all this clearly fixed in our minds, what does it mean to us in this three-dimensional world? It means that if we can move along time's length, we can see the future and alter it as we so desire. This world, which we think so solidly real, is a shadow out of which and beyond which we may at any time pass. It is an abstraction from a more fundamental and dimensionally larger world, a more fundamental world abstracted from a still more fundamental and dimensionally larger world, and so on into infinity. The absolute is unattainable by any means or analysis, no matter how many dimensions we add to the world. Man can prove the existence of a dimensionally larger world simply by focusing his attention on an invisible state and imagining that he sees and feels it. If he remains concentrated in this state, his present environment will pass away and he will awaken in a dimensionally larger world where the the object of his contemplation will be seen as a concrete objective reality. Intuitively, I feel that were he to abstract his thoughts from this dimensionally larger world and retreat still farther within his mind, he would again bring about an externalization of time. He would discover that every time he retreats into his inner mind and brings about an externalization of time, space becomes dimensionally larger. And he would therefore conclude that both time and space are serial and that the drama of life is but the climbing of a multitudinous dimensional time block. Scientists will one day explain why there is a serial universe. But in practice, how we use this serial universe to change the future 
is more important. To change the future, we need only concern ourselves with two worlds in the infinite series. The world we know by reason of our bodily organs and the world we perceive independently of our bodily organs. Thank you, Linda. You're going to keep in a minute. Um, I just want to uh, see if there's any questions about Chapter 21 or anyone have any comments about Chapter 21. I know it might be a lot because you're going, what? That cross-section, what are you talking about? Time, blah, blah, blah. You may have to reread this one (laughs) again. But um, it is really basically saying that all things exist. All things exist. There's no thing that you can imagine that doesn't exist. But it's really, you have to bring it about. You have to imagine it. I mean, it doesn't even, some people think, you know, well, you know, I just, I I, I don't understand why so-and-so, who is this, you know, evil person, has all of these things, and I am a good person, and I can't do that, and blah, 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 blah. I don't know what so-and-so is doing in, the, in their imagination, and neither do you. It's none of your business. It's none of my business. But the point is, guess what? All things exist. So if you can imagine something, you can't. It's impossible to imagine something that doesn't exist. Impossible. What are you talking about, Sid? Well, if you can imagine it, then you have the ability to bring it from the fourth dimension into your third dimension. It's impossible to, it may not necessarily exist right here, right now in the physical for you. But if it exists, and you can imagine it, then it exists. And the, the bottom line is the work is up to you to bring it back into this. So it's like, Going on a quest, right? You're going to the store. You're going to go to the store and you're going to pick out some items and um, you're going to purchase them and bring them home. Same thing, except you don't really have to purchase anything. You don't need money. You don't have to be the best person on the planet. You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be a pope. You don't have to be a nun. You don't have to be this holy pastor. You can go in and bring it out. And the more, the more you go in, and as Neville shows us, repeat the same action, you bring it out. And the more you bring it out, the more you go in, the more you bring it out. And then a click happens, and you start to see things change in your experience. But you just can't go in one time and then come out and say, see, that don't work. I've done that, you can't, but you can't do that. It, won't, it doesn't work like that. It's going into the store and coming back and going in and coming back and going in. So you go into your imagination, the fourth dimension, and you come back out. And you go in, you do your job, you work, you go, you get on the subway, you drive your car, whatever. You go back in. You bring it out. And the more you go back in, the, it's like flexing a muscle. And the more you go back in there, 
the the better you become at it. The better you become at it. So don't give up. I mean, well, you could, but don't. I encourage you not to. Keep at it. Yaron says, time, it seems a state of mind created by the mind, a point in time, space, are first occupied by the mind and then by the body. Yeah. Yeah. True. Because I did that with me coming home back to New York. And this is the thing. You can't try to add in all of the um, plans on how it's going to show up. That is not your job at all. Your job is to go in to your imagination and either hear the person. I told you last week, use my voice if you need to, because y'all listen to me a billion years. <laughs> use my voice if you need to, of the person who's going to be the one who says, oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited. I am. I'm, I could be that for you. That I could do. So use my voice. You know what I sound like. But... <clears throat> You have to, I didn't know how I was going to wind up back home. I had no idea. And there were times, let me tell you, it just didn't look like it was ever going to happen, ever. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in Pennsylvania for the rest of my life. And then I was like, okay, Sydney, you have to snap out of it. Snap out of that thought process and get back in and do your work. Get back in there and do your work. And what do you see? What is, your, what is the visual that you see? And my visual was the was the Manhattan skyline, and I was riding the ferry. Actually, that's not entirely true. It was from Brooklyn. It wasn't from riding the ferry. It was the visualization from the uh, terrace that I have in my mind from Brooklyn. So that's what I would see. Now, I got to see that, experience that from a different angle. It's from Staten Island now. But I still go in because, you know, I'm not done yet. There's stuff I want to create. There's stuff I want to do, be, have, whatever. So you keep going in there. Uh, Yaron says it's like Moses directing his staff towards the sea and then the sea parts to reveal your path to success. Holla! Yaron, I love when you, you know you get in there. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how it is. Linda, do you have anything to add to this chapter? Uh, no. Nothing? Nothing, honey? No, uh, at the end, yes, but not now. Okay. So we're going to let uh, Deborah read a little bit, and after you, you can read um, the page 119, and then we'll pop over to Deborah. She can read us out. Okay? Um, gosh. You mean start at chapter 22? Yeah, sorry, I don't know. Yeah, you're not looking at the... I have page numbers on my... Okay. Assumptions become facts, chapter 22. I've got that. Just tell me when to stop, that's all. Okay. Assumptions become facts. Men believe in the reality of the external world because they do not know how to focus and condense their powers to penetrate its thin crust. This book has only one purpose, the removing of the veil of the senses, 
the traveling into another world. To remove the veil of senses, we do not employ great effort. The objective world vanishes by turning our attention away from it. We have only to concentrate on the state desired in order to mentally see it, but to give it reality so that it will become an objective fact. We must focus attention upon the invisible state until it has has the feeling of reality. When, through concentrated attention, our desire appears to possess the distinctiveness and feel of reality, we have given it the right to become a visible, concrete fact. If it is difficult to control the direction of your attention while in a state akin to sleep, you may find gazing fixedly into an object very helpful. Do not look at its surface, but into and beyond any plain object, such as a wall, a carpet, or any other object which possesses depth. Arrange to return as little reflection as possible. Imagine then that this depth you are seeing and hearing what you want to see and hear until your attention is exclusively occupied by the imagined state. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome. Mwah. All right, Deborah, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead. At the end of your meditation, when you awake from your controlled waking dream, you feel as though you have returned from a great distance. The visible world which you had shut out returns to consciousness and by its very presence informs you that you have been self-deceived into believing that the object that the object of your contemplation was real. But if you know that consciousness is the one and only reality, you will remain faithful to your vision. And by this sustained mental attitude, confirm your gift of reality and prove that you have the power to give reality to your desires that they may become visible, concrete facts. Define your ideal and concentrate your attention upon the idea of identifying yourself with your ideal. Assume the feeling of being it, the feeling that would be yours were you already the embodiment of your ideal. Then live and act upon this conviction. This assumption, though denied by the senses, if persisted in, will become fact. You will know when you have succeeded in fixing the desired state in consciousness by simply simply looking mentally at the people you know. In dialogue with yourself, you are less inhibited and more sincere than in actual conversations with others. Therefore, the opportunity for self-analysis arises when you are surprised by your mental conversations with others. If you see them as you formerly saw them, you have not changed your concept of self, for all changes of concept of self result in a changed relationship to your world. In your meditation, allow others to see you as they would see you were as 
oh, wait a in your meditation, allow others to see you as they would see you were this new concept of self a concrete fact. You always seem to others an embodiment of the, of the ideal you inspire. Therefore, in meditation, when you contemplate others, you must be seen by them mentally as you would be seen by them physically for your concept of self and objective fact. That is, in meditation, you imagine that they see you expressing that which you desire to be. Stop for a second, Deborah. One second. Does everybody get that? Because if you, when you're trying to change a concept of yourself, you have the ability to allow the person in your imagination to experience you the way you would like to have them experience you. So. Let's say you're trying to lose 10 pounds, right? And you're using me in in your imagination. Now, you may not know me personally, but my pitch is all over Facebook. (laughs) How would I respond to that? What I have to be looking at you and going, oh, my goodness. Wow, you look awesome. You lost 10 pounds. But you have to now present yourself in that in that. You have to change that concept of yourself because I am looking at you less with the less, you know, with the the weight gone. So if I'm looking at you with that weight gone, then you have you're now in that moment of changing your concept of self. So if you can't really do it, give it to somebody else to do. Like in, I'm saying, give it to me. Let me be the one who says, "Wow, oh my God." I can't believe you got this brand new house. <gasps> Look at all these rooms. What would it feel like to have that experience happen? Okay, Linda. I mean, uh, Deborah, go ahead. If you assume that you are what you want to be, your desire is fulfilled. And in fulfillment, all longing is neutralized. You cannot continue desiring what you have already realized. Your desire is not something you labor to fulfill. It is recognizing something you already possess. It is assuming the feeling of being that which you desire to be. Believing and being are one. The conceiver and his conceptions are one. Therefore, that which you conceive yourself to be can never be so far off as even to be near, for nearness implies separation. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Being is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. If you assume that you are what you want to be, then you will see others as they are related to your assumption. If, however, it is the good of others that you desire, then in meditation you must represent them to yourself as already being that which you desire them to be. 
It is through desire that you rise above your present fear and the road from longing to fulfillment is shortened as you experience in imagination what you would experience in the flesh were you already the embodiment of the ideal you desire to be. I have stated that man has at every moment of time the choice before him which of several futures he will encounter. But the question arises, how is this possible when the experiences of man awake in the three-dimensional world are predetermined, as his observation of an event before it occurs implies? This ability to change the future will be seen if we liken the experiences of life on earth to this printed page. Man experiences events on earth singly and successfully in the same way that you are now, ex- that you are now experiencing the words on, of this page. Imagine that every word on this page represents a single sensory impression. To get the context, to understand my meaning, you focus your vision on the first word in the upper left-hand corner and then move your focus across the page from left to right, letting it fall on the word singly and successively. By the time your eyes reach the last word on this page, you have extracted my meaning. Suppose, however, on looking at the page with all the printed words thereon equally present, you decided to rearrange them. You could buy rearranging them tell an entirely different story. In fact, you could tell many different stories. A dream is nothing more than uncontrolled four-dimensional thinking or the rearrangement of both past and future sensory impressions. Man seldom dreams of events in the order in which he experiences them awake. He usually dreams of two or more events which are separated in time, fused into a single sensory impression. Or in his dream, he so completely rearranges his single waking sensory impression that he does not recognize them when he encounters them in his waking state. For example, I dreamed that I delivered a package to the restaurant in my apartment building. The hostess said to me, you can't leave that You can't leave that there, whereupon the elevator operator gave me a few letters, and as I thanked him for them, he in turn thanked me. At this point, the ninth elevator operator appeared and waved a greeting to me. The following day as I left my apartment, I picked up a few letters which had been placed at my door. On my way down, I gave the day elevator operator a tip and thanked him for taking care of my mail, whereupon he thanked me for the tip. On my return home that day, I overheard a doorman say to a delivery man, you can't leave that there. And I was about to take the elevator up to my apartment. I was attracted by a familiar face in the restaurant. And as I looked in, the hostess greeted me with a smile. Wait. That night, I escorted my dinner guests to the elevator, and as I said goodbye to them, the night operator waved goodnight to me. 
by simply rearranging a few of the single sensory impressions I was destined to encounter and by fusing two or more of them into single sensory impressions, I constructed a dream which differed quite a bit from my waking experience. Okay, we're going to stop there this week. Oh, well, you know what? Might as well finish. Keep going. We got a couple more. We only got one page left. Sorry. When we have learned to control the movements of our attention in the fourth-dimensional world, we shall be able to consciously create circumstances in the three-dimensional world. We learn this control through the waking dream where our attention can be maintained without effort for attention minus effort is indispensable to changing the future. We can, in a controlled waking dream, consciously construct an event which we desire to experience in the three-dimensional world. The sensory impressions we use to construct our waking dream are present realities displaced in time or the four-dimensional world. All that we do in constructing the waking dream is to select from the vast array of sensory impressions those which, when they are properly arranged, imply that we have realized our desire. With the dream clearly defined, we relax in a chair and induce a state of consciousness akin to sleep, a state which, although bordering on sleep, leaves us in conscious control of the movements of our attention. When we have achieved that state, we experience in imagination what we would experience in reality were this waking dream and objective fact. In applying this technique to change the future, it is important always to remember that the only thing which occupies the mind during the waking dream is the waking dream the predetermined action which implies the fulfillment of our desire. How the waking dream becomes physical fact is not our concern. Stop, can you read that line again, please? (laughs) That one line. Absolutely. How the waking dream becomes a physical fact is not our concern. Just a reminder, it's not your concern. How, who, how... All the, that's not your, not your concern. Go ahead. Our acceptance of the waking dream as physical reality wills the means for its fulfillment. Let me again lay the foundation of changing the future, which is nothing more than a controlled waking dream. Number one, define your objective. Define your objective. Know definitely what you want. Number two, construct an event which you believe you will encounter following the fulfillment of your desire, something which will have the action of self predominant, an event which implies the fulfillment of your desire. Number three, immobilize the physical body and induce a state of consciousness akin to sleep. Then, Mentally feel yourself right into the proposed action, imagining all the while that you are actually performing the action here and now so that you experience in imagination what you you would experience in the flesh were you now to realize your goal. 
Experience has convinced me that this is the perfect way to achieve my goal. However, my own many failures would convict me were I to imply that I have completely mastered the movements of my attention. I can, however, with the ancient, te- with the ancient teachers say, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. You're welcome. Uh, South Texas. Okay, bye, South Texas. South Texas is leaving, (laughs) but I didn't get to say hi to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, I do want to just state that you have to remember this one little thing that Neville says, because some of us beat up on our own selves all the time. Oh, why can't I? Look, he said, however, my own many failures would convict me were were I to imply that I have completely mastered the movements of my attention. So with that, I'm going to open up the lines. Thank you so much, Deborah, for um, reading today. Thank you, Linda. Um, I'm just going to unmute everyone. Unmute Mavis and Linda. Oops. Unmuted Mavis. (laughs) And um, we're stopping here today, and we're going to pick up next week, Power of Imagination. That's Chapter 23. So we got pretty far today, I think, um, even though we started late. And um, guest seven, I don't know if guest seven is still here. And um, she said, she's been doing what you just said about 15 years. So glad I found you. She said, if your jaw, if your head gets warm or jawbone. I don't know if it's she. could be a man. I'm sorry. I'm just assuming. Um, if your head gets warm or jawbone, you have someone else pointing something at your bed or chair. Okay. Didn't know that. Um, shield yourself when sleeping to stop dream stealer frequency people. All right. Well, that, that's, I'm not, I'm not going to say no to that because people do try to steal your dreams. They try to make you. They try to steal your desire, you know. Usually um, it comes in the form of negativity when when folks are um, telling you what you can't do and what you can't be and what you can't have. But you also have to, you know, remember that not everybody's going to be on your frequency. So um, we're all connected, and that does not mean that um, you're just connected to people who have necessarily great thoughts Um, and Thought is energy, and it's flowing, and it's, you know, you just have to be mindful of that. Thank you, uh, Guest 7, for sharing and for joining us today. All right, so um, does anybody else want to have, does anybody else have anything they want to add to what we just read today? I had just a quick comment. Okay. Um, Your comment about an empath. Being an empath myself, um, Yes, it can drive you crazy. Um, yeah. And um, especially in group group settings and stuff. Um, yeah. But 
uh, thank goodness we have tools. Right. Definitely. Because it, it can get it can get a little overwhelming sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it also can be a wonderful experience. Yeah. But um, I do find sometimes I have to like I'll be open, and then I have to shut it down. <laughs> yep. Because yep. I'm taking too much, you know, and it's it, it can be overwhelming. That typically happens to me at funerals and and things like that, you know, in places where. Um, there's a lot of grief and sadness. So mm-hmm. uh, when there's when there's a like you said, large amount of people, you know, um, yeah. large crowds, you know, sometimes I just have to like like guest uh, seven said, you shield yourself. You know, I just have to do the protection because it it can be overwhelming at times. It can also be very wonderful and a wonderful experience, but it can also be overwhelming. You're right. You're absolutely right about that, um, Mavis. Yes. How you doing, woman? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was uh, been there, but I'm so um, amazed to see how he can, you know, take these things and actually put them into words. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, you've been through some of these. Uh, movements and some of the concepts and things that he's talking about, but you never really realize to put it into words. You just go. You know right. what I'm saying? Go, go, go along with your life. Right. Wow. Well, mm. this, is, this is why we love Neville so much, because yes. um, he really takes all of this and brings it so that you can digest it and it makes sense to the common man or woman, yes. you know? Yes. You don't have to um, have all these, I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of a lot of spirituality is really great, but he breaks it down so that you, it, it, you know, you can break it down to the level of my understanding, please. Yes, <laughs> put, it in, put it in words, put it on paper. Wait a minute. What's happening? 
and then you have to go back in and, and do the work. And just like Linda said, you know, we have tools. You always come back to your tools. And it's never, ever over. You know, work is never over. Even when we leave, because we're all going to leave, and we make our transition, that work still continues. I do want to thank you all for being for joining us today. Um, oh, somebody's phone ring. I don't know who that is. Not, not the Laura. Okay, it was Maven. Um, <laughs> I don't know who which one it was, so I had to had to try and see who it was. But um, we definitely do want to just keep doing the work and just you know don't be so hard on yourself um, if things don't shift and change the way you would like them to. Just keep doing the work and, you know, keep joining us here in the Indigo Room for encouragement every week. Sometimes I'll be here for the most part, and then there's some days, you know, I have to take off and go do stuff in in, in real life <laughs> is what I call it, um, or the, the third dimensional world. I have to go and do some things. But, you know, just be encouraged. Stay with it. it. It is the most rewarding work you'll ever do. For yourself, I feel. Um, and who cares what anybody else thinks on the outside, you know. Um, it doesn't matter what what people think you're doing or, you know, they'll have their opinions about you. and Just do your job. Do your work. Go in there. Send them love. Send them light and keep it moving. Um, we'll be back next week. Linda left. So um, thank you, Linda, for joining us. And we'll be back next week next Saturday at one twelve o'clock. We're gonna read chapter twenty five and uh, twenty three, I'm sorry, chapter twenty three. Thank you, Deborah, for reading today. Thank you, Mavis, for being here. Guest seven. And, um thank you, Yaren. It was a wonderful read. And I enjoyed all of you. So be who you are. Be yourself. Love yourself. And keep doing the work. See you next Saturday. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.